Hello and welcome to another episode of Forgotten Cello Music. This is episode 58. I'm in my reading of the Violin Cello and its History by Joseph Vasilevsky up to the section of Germany in the 19th century. And today's episode is targeted at etudes. Well, it is about the proliferation of German cellist composers who wrote lots of etudes for cello students. In this episode, I'll be taking a look at well-known cellists and cellists that cellists know about who wrote etudes and a few lesser-known names. Um, why are these names well-known to cellists? And why so many etudes? Mm, who composed the most musically interesting etudes? And do I have a favorite? That is, cellist composer. In this episode, number 58, I feature easy etudes, intermediate etudes, and one or two that are a little bit more difficult, but certainly nothing virtuosic. It is basically to showcase what is available for the student, uh, especially in the beginner to intermediate range. These are some of the cellist composers that I chose out of the section of the Violin Cello and its History. Um, Karl Schröder, Sebastian Lee, Ferdinand Bichler, Friedrich Dotzauer, Josef Werner, August Kummer, Hermann Hebelein, Josef Merck. Uh, there are other names that I could throw in the mix, but I think it's enough already. Well, thank you for listening to my podcast. Uh, please spread the word. Tell others about it. Uh, this, as far as I can tell, is a fairly unique uh, approach to cello music. Um, I target almost exclusively, you can find an episode here and there, where I'm doing the fairly popular standard music, but almost exclusively, if you look over the past 58 episodes, forgotten cello music, music that you just don't hear played or even studied by students these days. Um, it's been forgotten to history or just overlooked because it's not, I don't know, considered good music or something. Um, but if you like this sort of thing, please follow and let your uh, friends, your acquaintances, and your enemies know too. Actually, they will be better people for it. <clears throat> if you'd like to support this show, you can go to my Patreon and uh, subscribe there. Anybody that subscribes for $3 or more per month will get some sort of merch. There are three tiers that offer merch, and now I have several, I think, three patrons that have gotten merch, mugs, and stickers. I hope you like them if you're listening. Let me know in the comments or send me a voice message at anchor.fm here at um, Forgotten Chill Music. Some observations getting straight into the etudes now. Some observations about the violoncello and its history, Germany in the 18th century. When Vasilevsky lists works for the cellist composers, his main focus 
is on concertos, sonatas, and salon pieces, and a few other things. Um, and then he will mention the etudes or method. Some of them he will have a little more focus on the methods, but especially if they've had a huge influence, kind of like Bernard Romberg. Um, but I do find it curious that a cellist like Dotsauer and Lee, with their numerous sets of etudes, didn't get a little bit more coverage. I mean, Dotsauer actually got a few pages, and um, that, you know, reading is going to be for another time. Right now, I'm, I'm really focused on the etudes. I got caught up, or I should say, fascinated by all the etudes that I discovered. And that's what this show really is about, is discovering forgotten cello music and learning to enjoy it, or just enjoying it, because it's really good. It's interesting. Well, the first order, or the first question that I have is, why are these cellist composers of etudes still known to us today? Like Dotsauer, Lee, um, Kummer, Schroeder, Werner, they were included in a set of etudes or a collection of etudes. And this, I think, is the one large and looming reason behind it, I, I think. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is my experience um, and seeing other students, especially when I was a student. There is a ubiquitous um, or a prevalence of the use of the etudes by these previously named composer or cellists. Before I actually say the one specific reason, I think there are a couple of reasons. And here they are. As I previously stated in episode 57, which was in, uh, which had to do with the introduction to Germany in the 19th century, it was just that there was so uh, many. There was an influx. There was a. Uh, there were so many cellists that were capable, and then became prominent cellists, that it had a, a really big influence on the choice of study material. I mean, just the sheer output that was available. You know, just as in violin, overall having more compositions, I think. Germany seems to have had more compositions available in the 19th century, or the people that wrote compositions. So, now that could be one reason. Um, I think there's another huge factor, and that is uh, because of one set of studies. It's a three-volume set, and it is entitled 170 Foundation Studies for Violoncello. In the compiler, Alvin, or Alwin, Schroeder. Yeah, his brother was Karl Schroeder. So Karl actually wrote etudes, quite a number of them. Not a lot, not like Dotsar. And Alvin Schroeder was a compiler. He put all these names and selections together. And it is a very prevalent book. It has, I've seen it on many teachers' shelves, and I've seen many students print it out. And of course, I, for a long time, asked my students to get these books. Um, I mean, it's a nice little selection, but you sure miss a lot. Now that I've gone through 
uh, many dozens of opuses, you really miss a lot of great material by just ignoring what Schroeder did not include. Anyway, this is not a really exhaustive and serious research on my end, of course. It's, it's really an observation, and um, I'm, I'm going through it in the spirit of fun and just learning what I can about these forgotten pieces. So, there you have it. Included in the 170 Foundation Studies, uh, very prominently in the first two volumes, you've got Dotsara, Lee, Schröder, the brother of Alwyn, uh, Kummer, Werner, and Grutzmacher, and so on. And then, uh, I think, three or four other nationalities, like from France and from um, Italy. I found it utterly jaw-dropping uh, when I went through and started just perusing the etudes or just the output in general by Friedrich Dotzauer. I, I was floored. I could not believe it. I actually went through and counted what at least what is available to count uh, in the complete list of works by Dotzauer on IMSLP. I counted up all of his exercises, daily studies, and um, method-type books. Care to guess how many I counted? 28. There are 28 volumes or opuses, and I would have to say that the average number of etudes in each, the average, is about, I would say, 24, and that goes across the board. But I mean, in some opuses he wrote 24, and then 12, and then 6, and then 100, and then 32, and so on. And they all have uh, some interesting approaches, or, or um, nice, nice material, I guess you could say. A lot of it kind of dry, but uh, good stuff. And then Carl Schroeder, he wrote at least six sets of etudes and exercises from what I can see on IMSLP. Uh, then there's Sebastian Lee. I featured him prominently on at least two opus numbers. I did his, um, let's see here, I did his opus 101, 50 etudes for the beginner and also Opus 112, Etude Caprice Characteristique. So um, I've played his music quite a lot now, not to mention that when I was a student, uh, there must be at least three or four dozen of his etudes from other opus numbers, like easy etudes from Opus 70 or uh, 40 melodic progressive exercise in Opus 31 and so on. Uh, more about him later. So he, uh, as I counted, had 12 opus numbers and, you know, 40 etudes, 6 etudes, 50 etudes, um, 12 etudes. I mean, these guys were just writing like crazy. Now we come to Josef Werner. He had a total of 15 listed in IMSLP, that is 15 opus numbers that have uh, either studies, um, practice pieces, or like a school of cello playing or a method, as you could say. Um, 
I mean, it's it's the same thing. You got ten etudes, forty etudes, a hundred etudes, two hundred etudes, and so on. It's just mind blowing how much music there is. That okay? Let's go on. I mentioned Ferdinand Büchler. Um, IMSLP only has three sets of etudes listed. Uh, interestingly enough, he was featured in Alvin Schroeder's 170 foundational studies. And Josef Merck also uh, was featured despite only writing two opus numbers. All right, now, moving away from um, Alvin Schroeder's selected etudes and something that, of course, affected a lot of students, let's move away to a name, just a specific name. I'm going to spend a little time with him. This is Hermann Heberlein. Now, it seems to me, based on a little reading, that he was a fairly prominent, or his his self-instructor for cello, which was in two parts, this is Opus 7, uh, featured fairly prominently with a lot of students. And um, just as a byword, or a, a side note, Josef Ferners also featured prominently with quite a few students. I, I came across it from time to time. I would teach students uh, back when I was either in um, uh, my last year or two of my undergrad degree or after I graduated. I came across students from all parts of the world and they would oftentimes bring in the Josef Werner. And then very occasionally I saw a Haberlein. So this self-instructor, I, I find this set to be particularly interesting. This set, especially volume one, is a set of a very short, manageable, not over, not overly technical um, pieces. The whole thing is set up by a couple dozen pages of explanations with very useful diagrams and little snippets of exercises that that exemplify what he is expressing. And when he's explaining himself, I would say they're not. Um, they're not really over t overly technical explanations. I think they're fairly clear. Um, I guess I, I'd have to give it to somebody that didn't know a lot about music to really find out if it would be too much information or overly technical. But from my, my side, as a teacher, you know, you have the opportunity to explain what is going on. But even so, it is called a self-instructor, so he has to give a, a little bit more information. So he goes through all the parts of the instrument, posture, bow hold, uh, notation, bow strokes, the fingering, um, all sorts of things for effective results. And I think it's very useful. And then in the exercises, guess what? He writes them all as duets. Does that ring a bell? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Remember Hugo Schlemuller's Opus 19, the very first pieces for the beginning cellist? Yes, I featured Hugo Schlemuller quite early on in this podcast. And uh, he also uses uh, tunes, well-known tunes, or just tunes from other composers, and arranges those for cello duet. Oh, 
recall Broderip and Wilkinson's complete treaties for cello, that really early treaties, or, or method as we could call it nowadays. Yeah, those were all duets, I think, save one example. But um, I, I think this is really interesting information that I'm starting to put together. So anyway, there are plenty of original exercises in Haberlein's uh, self-instructor, but I would say every third or fourth exercise he inserts a known tune and arranges it for, for, um, for beginner cello and then adds a second cello to it. There's one tune in there in the Haber line that caught my attention, and that is, well, cellists hear it all the time especially if you are a Suzuki student or a Suzuki teacher. The Happy Farmer by Schumann. This is in volume one, and I was stunned. Why? Why was I stunned? Well, as I said before, these are, these are all cello duets. The Happy Farmer, as anybody with a musical background might know, originally was written for piano solo by Schumann, but then Suzuki, um, most people these days know it from Suzuki Method, uh, volume one, and that's for cello and piano accompaniment. But here it's for cello and teacher, or cello one and cello two, cello duet, and it just makes so much sense, and it's so cool. I just love it. Wow. I am stunned by it uh, for another reason because when I hear my cello students play the happy farmer I just want so badly to see it as a cello duet and I often uh, make my own impromptu cello two part straight from the piano part I've never written it out never arranged it but just play from the score and you know it kind of works out but the way that he arranged it works so beautifully. Just makes it so, it makes, makes a lot of sense. It just says etudes, etudes, and even more etudes, doesn't it? I mean, all the, the lists that I've, I've talked about, you could really go on for days and days and, and weeks and weeks, months and months even, of just sifting through all this material and uh, talking about it. But I think I've proven my point that German cellist composers composed lots of etudes. Now, I didn't go through every single name, obviously. I, I picked, because you've got to keep the episode to a reasonable length, and I've heard from some that it would be nice to have some shorter episodes. I mean, let me know if you think it should be a little bit shorter or if I should include in between the lengthier episodes some shorter, maybe, um, I don't know, almost excerpt-like things or highlights from episodes. Hmm, let me know. Um, would you care to guess, just as a kind of silly game, would you care to guess how many etudes I counted total, or opuses rather, 
how many opuses did I count between all of those names, like Dotsauer, Lee, Werner, Schroeder, uh, Heberlein, uh, who else was there? Kummer, Merck, and so on. I counted 61 opuses. 61. Now, if we put that as an average of 24 exercises, or etudes rather, in each opus, here's another side question. How many exercises, how many etudes would that amount to? I did the math, the exact number at that average, so 61 opuses times 24 etudes equals 1,464 etudes. Some of these etudes are, are like um, um, 16 measures, some of them are 32 measures, a lot of them are, you know, they take up a page and a lot of them take up two pages. So there's a lot of etudes. The music you've been listening to in this episode featured easy etudes, intermediate etudes, and a few rather more difficult ones, not virtuosic, but, you know, they challenge you. It was to showcase the available um, music or etudes for students, and these are the cellist composers that I chose. Karl Schröder, Sebastian Lee, Hermann Heberlein, Ferdinand Büchler, Friedrich Dotzauer, August Kummer, and Josef Werner. All of these offer a really interesting approach to learning technique, and I encourage everyone to, to look at, at them. I mean, you can learn a little from something from, from them all. There is actually a fairly clear winner as of right now for etudes that I seem to gravitate toward. And that is the Sebastian Lee etudes. A lot of them just fit in the hand despite being more challenging. The other cellist composers have really nice music, uh, musical qualities, but oftentimes they don't fit in the hand quite like the Lee etudes do, at least in my hands. And these are the intermediate to lower advanced level etudes that I'm talking about. Now, if we're talking about uh, easy etudes, I have to say the clear winner is Heberlein. Uh, he does a fabulous job with his arrangements. So anybody that's listening, go check out Hermann Heberlein, Opus 7. I think you're going to be better for it. He wrote some very nice duets. As to conclude this episode, I began by observing how bountiful the number of etudes were by German cellist composers in the 19th century and because and they were there because of the absolute explosion of capable players in that time period and I noted that Alvin Schroeder brother to Karl Schroeder uh, compiled 170 etudes in a three volume set and that seems to have been some sort of catalyst to uh, getting a lot of these names uh, well known and just bringing them down through the generations up, I mean, to my generation for sure. Uh, whether that's true for younger generations than me, I actually don't know for sure. But it seems 
fairly likely. After looking into more of the names mentioned in the violoncello and its history by Joseph Vasilevsky, and discovering how many opuses had been written by all these cellists, I think I can see why Alvin Schroeder selected so many Germans for his um, his 178 etudes. Um, it could be, you know, just the case of sheer numbers. It could also be that he was a German and uh, the others were Germans, so um, your environment influences you quite a lot. Everybody experiences that. Um, maybe it's just that he really believed that they were better uh, opuses. Uh, certainly he had to have some sort of influence that he thought they were better. Otherwise he wouldn't have chosen them in the first place, I think, right? Even so, he did include some other nationalities like von Combe and uh, Piatti and Bertolt and so on. Well, thanks for joining me. As always, uh, I get a little bit wordy uh, because it, this is really interesting stuff to me and I find it extremely difficult to keep it down to a lesser uh, time. I, I just really enjoy discovering it, really enjoy talking about it, and I hope that I can engage some people to uh, talk about it uh, in the future. That would be kind of fun. I think I'll explore it and see where it could go. Uh, please, if you have some thoughts, let me know. Um, leave a voice message, contact me through email. Maybe we could do uh, an interview. I've never done an interview before, but it, it might be fun to try at least. Or, or I could use your voice message too. But be sure to find me uh, on Patreon. At any rate, thanks for joining me on this exploration through the land of etudes. I hope you enjoyed the information and also listening to the music in the background. I recorded all of them and I do my best to keep the level as high as possible. Um, sometimes getting the practice in is not always uh, that great, but I do my best. Please be sure to find me on Patreon. You can sign up for a membership of $3 a month or more to get merch, and that is uh, receivable after three consecutive months. Look me up on my YouTube channel, Traveling Cello. I also have an Instagram that is called Traveling Cello. This is where I upload videos, especially on YouTube. I upload a lot of, lot of videos there and many more long-form videos as well. Uh, sometimes I am upload entire opuses, but oftentimes it's just selections. You can go to WordPress to read uh, my thoughts and my observations, um, and that's called Forgotten Cello Music. That's my blog. If you are interested in cello lessons, send me a message, leave me a voicemail, go send me an email at travelingcellogroup at gmail.com. It would be my pleasure to help you learn the cello and figure out technique. Please like, subscribe, share, follow, leave a friendly comment, and come back for more next time. Remember to play more forgotten cello music.
Thank you.